Welcome back to our weekly podcast. Today, we're going to continue our series, Christian Fundamentals. Like all successful players and teams need to learn and practice the fundamentals, we as the body of Christ need to do the same. For a sports team, the fundamentals are the building blocks of the game. They're an important part of what makes a player and a team successful. Take the game of baseball. The fundamentals of baseball are things like basic batting practice, fielding the ball, throwing the ball, running the bases. These are the things that help make a team successful. For this series, we're talking about some of the important truths that act as the foundation for our Christian walk. When talking about Christian fundamentals, we typically talk about things like prayer, reading, studying, and applying God's word to our lives, serving God with the gifts that he's given us, being part of a Sunday school class or a growth group, you know, growing in community, and basic Christian doctrines. All of these things are important. They're all Christian fundamentals. But for this series, I want to talk about the fundamentals that often go overlooked. Last week, we learned some of what the Bible says about the importance of preserving and protecting unity in the church. Unity is a Christian fundamental. This week, I want to talk about what it means to walk in holiness, or what it means to be set apart by God for God's purposes. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 21, is a great place to go as we learn more about walking in holiness. This is what we read. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Written by the Apostle Peter, the overarching purpose of First Peter was to offer encouragement to suffering Christians who had been driven out of their home in Jerusalem and were scattered throughout Asia Minor. We believe that Peter was in Rome when God used him to pen these words. One of the most difficult seasons of persecution for Christians was happening during this time. Throughout the Roman Empire, Christians were being tortured and killed for their faith. Peter was executed for his faith during this time. In the first half of this chapter, Peter emphasized the importance of walking in hope. Two key verses are 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, which say, So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You know, Peter's words remind me of something the Apostle Paul wrote about. Um, these two men that were used by God in a big way, they're saying the same thing. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, Paul wrote, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Peter began his letter by encouraging persecuted Christians to walk in hope. This is a message that millions of Christians have needed to hear since the church began over 2,000 years ago. It's a message that we need to hear today. In the last half of 1 Peter chapter 1, this is the passage that we're going to focus on today. Peter emphasized the importance of walking in holiness. I believe that walking in hope, our hope is in God alone, our faith is in Jesus. So walking in hope and then walking in holiness, um, how we live for God, those two things go hand in hand. That word holiness is kind of a churchy word. When most people hear this word, images of a liturgical worship service, church rituals, or Old Testament sacrifices and priests are usually what comes to mind. While equating holiness with these kinds of things is common, it's also a bit misleading. At its root, the word holy has a lot more to do with something or someone being selected than it does something or someone being sacred. Holiness, in the way that Peter used the word, literally means set apart or different. Holiness isn't reserved for the religious elite, you know, just for a select few. Instead, it describes the person who's been called and set apart by God for his purposes. To walk in holiness is God's plan for every believer. If Christians are called to walk in holiness, the question becomes, how can we do this in a world that's increasingly rejecting God and his word? The anti-God atmosphere around us is constantly trying to force people to conform to the cultural norm instead of obedience to God and his word. Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Christians are called and set apart by God to be different in this world. Instead of conforming to the pattern of the world, looking more and more like the world, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, looking more and more like Jesus in how we think and live. Peter understood an important truth. He understood that it's a lot more difficult to walk in holiness, to faithfully live for God when times are tough and when circumstances are not ideal. And that's why he encouraged persecuted Christians to keep their hope in Jesus and to live differently from the world around them, to walk in holiness in a polluted world. There are five steps in today's passage that Peter encourages believers with. And these are steps that will help us walk in holiness. I'd like to spend our time unpacking each one of these steps. So number one, if you're taking note, the first step, keep an eternal perspective. Keep an eternal perspective. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So Peter began this portion of his letter by reminding believers that we're to live with an eternal perspective. All of our present actions and decisions should be dictated 
by the hope that we have in Jesus, specifically his promise to return again for his people. In the same way that an engaged couple makes all of their plans and preparations for a future wedding, we should live with the expectation of Jesus' second coming. Having minds that are alert, fully sober, that means having a disciplined mind. You know, instead of allowing 10% of circumstances and negative people to steal 100% of our joy, we should set our minds on things above. We need to keep an eternal perspective. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 3, verse 2. He said, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You know, that phrase, set your minds on things above, means focusing on eternal things rather than temporal things. Paul and Peter both understood that focusing on the hope that we have in Christ and living in response to that present and future hope is what helps us escape the temporal, worldly circumstances that would otherwise control our thoughts, hinder our spiritual growth, and steal our joy. Author Warren Wearsby said it this way, Outlook determines outcome. Attitude determines action. A Christian who is looking for the glory of God has a greater motivation for present obedience than a Christian who ignores the Lord's return. So in other words, for a Christian, perspective is everything. If we're so weighed down by the trials and troubles of this life, then our attitude will determine our actions. It'll determine how we live. Peter's saying, keep an eternal perspective. Keep your focus on God and on the promises that are found in his word. This will help us live the life that God has called us to live. Keeping an eternal perspective is an important step that helps us walk in holiness, to live a life that's set apart by God for his purposes. Step number two, if you're taking notes, do everything for the glory of God. Do everything for the glory of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. The illustration here is simple. Children inherit the nature of their parents, especially when they're younger. They look and act and talk a lot like mom and dad. God is holy. Therefore, as his children, we should seek to live holy lives. If we jump over to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, we're reminded that we are partakers of God's divine nature, and we reveal that nature in how we live. So do everything for the glory of God. Peter reminded his readers of what they were before they started following Jesus. Before putting their faith in Jesus, they were controlled by their sinful nature. But now they could live holy lives because they had been called and set apart by a holy God. And the same is true in our lives today when we believe in and follow Jesus. There are two important truths that I want to share with you, and they really go together. The first, true salvation always results in obedient living. Instead of being imitators of the world, we can walk in holiness, doing everything for the glory of God. This isn't something that we can do on our own, though. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit's leading in our life, his power, his strength, his leading. In the same way that true salvation results in obedient living, the other part of this is that ignorance always leads to indulgence. You know, first century Christians were living in a world that was ignorant to the gospel. Because they were ignorant to the gospel, they had no compass for holy living. Since we were born with a sinful nature, it's natural for us to live sinful lives. It's only by the grace of God that we can be born again as a new creation in Christ 
And that's why the advancement of the gospel is so important. That's why the mission of the local church is so important. Our mission here at OCC is to make more and better disciples. I think this is the most important thing that we can do in life. And it really is at the heart of what it means to walk in holiness. Walking in holiness means telling a lost world that what God has done for you, he can also do for them. Instead of walking in spiritual darkness, we can now walk in the light. Instead of living in ignorance of the gospel, we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And when we experience new life in Christ, we're also given a purpose in Christ. We can walk in holiness, demonstrating godly character and conduct in all that we do. One author said it this way, All of life is holy as we live to glorify God. Even such ordinary activities as eating and drinking can be done to the glory of God. If something cannot be done to the glory of God, then we can be sure it must be out of the will of God. So friends, seeking to do everything for the glory of God is an important step that helps us walk in holiness. Step number three, always ask, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? First Peter chapter 1, verse 16 says, For it is written, be holy because I am holy. You know, that phrase, for it is written, should carry a lot of weight and authority for believers. We know that Jesus used the word of God as his weapon on a daily basis, and so should we. When Paul encouraged Christians to put on the full armor of God in the book of Ephesians, the only offensive piece of armor that he listed is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is what helps us stand firm in our faith and combat the devil's lies with God's truths. The word of God is not only a sword for battle, though. It's also a light to guide us in a very dark world. It's food that strengthens us and water that washes us. When Jesus prayed for his disciples in John chapter 17, verse 17, he asked God the Father to sanctify them by the truth. We know the truth is the word of God. And that word sanctify also means to set apart or to declare holy. It's related to his word holiness. The Bible has a sanctifying ministry in the life of every believer. It's what helps us live a life that's set apart for God. Asking the question, what does the Bible say, will always point us back to God's will and God's way of doing things. Whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation, going back to God's word will help us see things from God's perspective. Warren Wearsby wrote that the word reveals God's mind, so we should learn it. God's heart, so we should love it. God's will, so we should live it. Our whole being, mind, will, and heart should be controlled by the word of God. What a great quote. So the charge there is learn it. But don't just learn it. Don't just grow in knowledge. Pray that God would help you love it. And as you grow to love the word of God, live it out. This is a great way to approach the Bible. You know, we don't read and study the Bible just to get to know the Bible. We read and study the Bible so that we can get to know God better, so that we can learn how to live in a way that brings him glory. So asking that question, what does the Bible say? That's an important step that helps us walk in holiness. Friends, learn it, love it, and live it. Step number four, take sin seriously. Take sin seriously. First Peter chapter 1, verse 17 says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. So it's no secret that we live in a time 
when people don't like to talk about or acknowledge sinful behavior. And because we've become so numb to sin, we don't take sin seriously. But as followers of Jesus, we're called to live differently. Remember, we're called to be set apart. We're called to be different from the world. We need to be serious about the sin in our own lives and intentional about walking in holiness. Our Heavenly Father is a holy and perfect God who doesn't compromise with sin. He's merciful and he's perfectly forgiving and loving. But he's also a loving disciplinarian who cannot permit his children to enjoy and live in sin. After all, it was sin that sent Jesus to the cross. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says, He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Jesus died for our sins. He takes away the sins of all those who put their faith and their trust in him. So when Peter wrote, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, um, he wasn't talking about God judging the sin of the believer. Right? When you trusted in Jesus... When you believed in Jesus, God forgave your sins, past, present, and future, and he declared you righteous in his son. In Christ, your sins have already been judged on the cross and cannot be held against you because of Jesus' victory over sin, Satan, and death. And friends, that is amazing news. That's good news. What Peter wrote about is God's judgment of our works. It goes back to the truth that true salvation results in obedient living. The Bible is clear that When Jesus returns, each of us will give an account of our works and will receive a reward from God based on those works. Now, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. But the Bible is clear that there are different degrees of rewards in heaven. Now, some commentators refer to this as a family judgment. It's not the judgment of sin. It's judgment of our works and our motives. This is when God will judge the motives for our ministry why we did what we did, and what we accomplished for his kingdom. You know, all good parents love to give good gifts to their children, and our Heavenly Father loves to give good gifts to us. So as we live for God, serving him with the spiritual gifts that he's given us, we're storing up treasures in heaven that do not deteriorate with time. That's why taking sin seriously, being intentional about holy living is so important. Our ultimate goal in life should be to glorify God as we learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. The last half of verse 17 says, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Now, this is not the cringing fear of a slave before a master. That's an illustration that would have made a lot of sense uh, for first century Christians. Instead, it's the loving reverence of a child before his father. It's not fear of judgment. Again, our sin has already been judged on the cross. But fear of disappointing our Heavenly Father or sinning against His love. Taking sin seriously is an important step that helps us walk in holiness. We need to learn to see sin how God sees sin. The fifth and final step is this. Remember what Jesus has done. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18-21 through 21 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God 
who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. So an important step that helps us walk in holiness is remembering what Jesus has done. It's keeping our faith and our hope in God alone, not in politicians or in temporal things. Remembering who you were before Jesus, where God has brought you, how God has saved you, and what he's promised to do in the future. I think this is one of the highest motives for holy living. In these four verses, Peter encouraged believers to remember these truths. It's the precious blood of Christ that redeems us from an empty life. That word redeem simply means to be set free by paying a price. Jesus paid the ultimate price. He was chosen before the creation of the world to be the perfect sacrifice for us. His death was an appointment, not an accident. And it's through his death, burial, and resurrection that we now have a way to be made right with God by grace through faith in Jesus. Our faith and our hope are in him. When you and I remember what Jesus has done, it should lead to holy living. Over the past 20 years, my favorite band has been a band called Switchfoot. Their songs have helped me through some really challenging times in life. And my beautiful bride actually walked down the aisle to a Switchfoot song. It's the song Only Hope. So that should tell you how much I like this band. One of my favorite Switchfoot songs is a song called Live It Well. I'd like to read a few of the lyrics for you as I wrap up the message. These are the lyrics. Life is short. I want to live it well. One life, one story to tell. Life is short. I want to live it well. And you're the one I'm living for. Awaken all my soul. Every breath that you take is a miracle. Life is short. I want to live it well. I want to sing with all my heart a lifelong song. Even if some notes come out right and some come out wrong. Because I can't take none of that through the door. I'm living for more than just a funeral. I want to burn brighter than the dawn. Life is short. I want to live it well. One life, one story to tell. And you're the one I'm living for. I don't think that John Foreman, the lead singer of Switchfoot, was thinking of 1 Peter chapter 1 when he wrote these lyrics. But as a Christian, I see this as a reminder to walk in holiness, to live for an audience of one. We're called and set apart by God for his purposes. Let's take the important steps of keeping an eternal perspective, doing everything for the glory of God, always asking, what does the Bible say? Taking sin seriously and remembering what Jesus has done.